Hey, what's up, everyone? On tonight's special, we have a special guest, and it's my friend Pyro, a.k.a. Raul, or is the other way around? <laughs> but anyways, um, I have him here on the episode. We did a special episode today where we kind of remember two years after Harvey, and he shares a story with us about uh, what he went through. He wasn't here, actually, but, you know, what his family went through uh, during those moments and how hard it was for him being in a whole different other part of the U.S. and his family being here and, uh, you know, just... The, uh, the emotional and uh, and the traumatic stuff of not being there with your family and, uh, and, a, natural and a natural disaster moment. So uh, check it out. Let us know what you think. A uh, big shout out to um, everyone that has been supporting the podcast, everyone that has been uh, tuning in, subscribing, and we're finally on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so thank you all for, for listening and checking this out and giving us your feedback. We're still improving. We're still getting better at this. And I just want to say thank you again and looking forward to many more episodes for you guys. All right. Enjoy. You want me to start off? No, no, no. You're fine. So you were saying that the food's the same everywhere? Yeah, man. In Colombia, it was crazy. We were going all these different restaurants and everything was bandeja paisa, bandeja paisa, bandeja paisa. We went for breakfast and it was just... It's like going to Mexico and seeing like taco del pastor and a lot of... Tacos, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. There's a there's one... Uh, one Colombian spot we come and check out here in Houston. Mm-hmm. My wife um, and I go to. It's called uh, La Fogata. It's in the like. Is that in Katy? No, no. It's right here off of a uh, off of Fifty Nine, like going towards Sugarland and okay. stuff. And um, it's cool, man. Like they have a they have a um, like a variety of dishes, but I mean they're almost the same. It's just like yeah. one little thing they switch out. Uh, the don't the one thing I don't like. Well, it's gotten better, but the service like it was oh, horrible, service. dude. Like the like if you ordered, you had to order everything right then and there because like they don't they don't give a shit. Look, they'll walk off and like you're stuck there without a drink for like <laughs> thirty minutes, and you're like, yo, I'm choking. Like, yeah. what's up? We, and we, uh, like you have to wave them down. And they'll walk up. And they'll be like, oh yeah, what's up? Like you gotta remind them. You're like, hey, can can, can I get some service over here? Uh, I we we used to go to the one over there, meet me Pueblito, I think it's called Pueblito, right there off of uh, uh, Richmond. Richmond, yeah, and that place has gotten bigger. I remember when I first started going there, they were like a little area. Then they opened up the bakery next door and things like that. But, but do you really like think the food's good there? Uh, it was good for, at the time. I mean, I don't know how it is now. I haven't gone there probably like since I moved to Humble. So. The I had good experiences in the beginning. Yeah, and then like I went back like years later. I haven't been there in years, but I went back with my family a couple more times. I feel like the attraction there was the um, the huts. Mm-hmm. No, not that. Not that, that one. Not that one. That one is uh, Pueblita, right? Mi Pueblita. Yes, yeah. I know what you're talking about with the cabanas in the backyard. Mm-hmm. The food's okay there. It's more the ambiance. I used to go there just for drinks and uh, chilling on the the margaritas and the pineapple and stuff. Yeah, that's like what that. I was gonna say. It's more about like the just the experience. Because the food wasn't really, like, anything that wowed me there, you know? But if you go to the Richmond all the way on the other side in the... Uh, Galleria? Past the Galleria. Okay. There's another place called Mi Pueblo, Mi Pueblito, something like that. It's like a small little it, shack one? It's a Colombian restaurant. But it, yeah. it's like a little small shack? No, it used to be small. Then it got bigger. They actually opened up a bakery next door to themselves. Oh, and they so they expanded to, like, two or three storefronts from where they were back in the day. Uh, and it's a Colombian restaurant. They were good. I mean, I, I'm sure there's better ones in well, Houston. Well, the one that we go to, La Fogata, they they did like a, I think like best little hidden gems in Houston or something like that. Award? Yeah, and they were on the list. Mm-hmm. Dude, they there was like a restaurant right next to theirs that was a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. 
They knocked down that wall, took over it, and they extended that bitch. Like it's pretty big now. Well, I grew up. And in, the service has gotten better. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I I grew up in you know in Rhode Island, and uh, we have a lot of Colombians. For some reason, a lot of Colombians go to Rhode okay. Island, oh. in like in Pat- in Pawtucket, Central Falls, where I grew up. I grew up with a lot of Colombians. My aunt married a Colombian, so I grew up eating Colombian food very very regularly. Uh, but it wasn't one of those like everyday kind of deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, if I visited my uncle's house, you know, my aunt, and my uncle, you know, definitely we'd have arepas and stuff every day. But, dude, I love bandeja paisa. But when we were in Colombia, I was like, hey, let's go to this restaurant. What do they have? Bandeja paisa. It was like, oh. yeah, but you know, one of the things that I think is weird is like, but I mean, it's just their culture, like. Everything that street food has ketchup and mayo on it. Yeah. And like a lot of it, dude. And Peru's the same way. We like ketchup and mayo. The, like, the funny, the, the, the cool things though, that was the little, like, yeah, the restaurants had a lot of stuff, but the street foods were, were really good yeah. and unique. Um, the big thing they like over there is like the pero, the hot dog. It's like, it's just wild, dude. Like yeah. they put so much stuff on top of it. So it's just like a regular hot dog. And then they're putting like cold slaw, you know, the little uh, uh, French fry potato chips, kind of yeah, like yeah. a little stick fries. On top yeah, of that, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, they're, they're putting ketchup, mayo, uh, pineapple sauce. Like it's, it's. I've been to crazy. a few, a few uh, food trucks that carry Mexican food, or they do something similar to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, like man, I didn't know how much ketchup and mayo they use, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was like one time I was like, oh, let me just order. I ordered something. I don't remember what I, what I ordered, but I, I opened it. and I'm like, what the fuck? Like it's just so <laughs> much ketchup and mayo, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. and me, I'm not a big ketchup person. No. Like, like you're not, not a ketchup person. Like I'll have it here and there, but it's not like that's my topping. You I know what I'm saying? Yeah. I it's gonna sound weird. I like mustard a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's because the tartness of the mustard. Like yeah. it just it if something's already savory and you add a little tartness to it, it fucking just it takes it to a new level. Yeah, it takes it to a different part. Mm-hmm. You know. And but ketchup, it's very vinegary, you know, yeah. and a lot of dishes already have that, you know, taste. It's vinegary and very sweet too. Yeah. Especially so it's just like, oh man, like I, I mean, like I said, I'll have it here and there, but it's not my like, goddamn, like. Have you ever had I the the Moon Tower Inn? You ever go to Moon Tower? Yeah, Inn? I've been there before. You ever had their ketchup that they made, their in-house ketchup? I, probably. I mean, I, I, I haven't been there in about probably two years, three okay. years. But I used to go like a lot when they first, t- yeah. you know, opened up and stuff. Uh, I used to hit it up like once a week or twice. Yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, the I, only thing that I hated, man, was the weight. Yeah, you, it's, they even have a sign there that says this is not fast food. It's a, they take they, it forever I, for yeah. It, it's understandable because mm-hmm. they're making the sausage as you order it. Yeah. So like they case it, they boil it, and then they cook it for you. Yeah. Well, they're they have a really good burger there. That yeah, you know, no, the, the burgers, the burgers are dude, bomb, they're dude. fucking. Like, Good. Yeah, they're like real it's good. it's not a place to hate on. Like I actually like them. I mean, I but, went to that Shake Shack that they built in downtown, yeah. and uh, you know, I was like expecting some amazing hamburger to blow me out of the mind, you know, kind of deal. And I was like, for the same price, I should have just went to Moon yeah, Tower Inn and, and got and they a real have, good. Burger. I mean, it's a good spot, dude. Like uh, Shake Shack is pretty good too. Uh, but my thing is like, I can't hate on on Moon Tower Inn. Like their stuff is it. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. It uh, it has uh, it has great flavors, and you know they're like making it themselves. It's not like Cisco, you yeah. know. Or I mean, there's a lot of restaurants that carry Cisco. A lot of people don't know, but a lot of these restaurants, man, they order through Cisco. Yeah, and it's just a bunch of frozen shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Or they order from Benny Keith, or uh, or Gordon Foods, or I mean, all these purveyors, dude. You know, so it gets to that point where it's like, man, like. I, I it got to a point because one of the restaurants I used to work with, man, they used to order like, just like certain things from Cisco, 
they wouldn't order their produce through them, mm-hmm. but they'll order like uh, their sausage or something because they needed to move stuff quick, you know? Yeah. And they were so focused on other other items that they were just like, this is just an extra, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But um, that sausage, dude, like, it got to the point that, like, I went to, I don't know if I should name them, but <laughs> I, fuck it. I went to Los Cucos, right? Uh-huh. And I ordered the parrillada. And then with the sausage that comes on it, I was like, that's the same sausage that we got at the restaurant. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, like, whatever. And then I went to, like, a bakery, and they made, like, kolaches with it. And then, like, I tasted it. I'm like, this is the same sausage they got, you know, there at that restaurant. Yeah. And then I remember I went with my family. I can't remember what. I think it was, like, Donerakis or something. Mm. And Parrilla, same fucking sausage. I'm like, dude, like, what? Like, there's better sausages out there. Like, they're using this plain-ass sausage, you know? Like, yeah. probably throwing a shitload of salt on it and, and all the onions on it just to kind of, like, make it a different taste. But it's, like, it's the same sausage, man. Like. And it started getting annoying for me. So when I would, I would, it made me kind of like step back from where I would go eat. I'd be like, I don't know if I want to go to these places because I'm probably going to eat like the same shit that everybody has, you know? Yeah. I mean, you have experience in that. So yeah, you actually get to see and you, you know exactly, okay, where people are buying it. It kind of, ki- it kind of kills that, you know, uh, the mystery of it for you. And you, you're kind of getting there and you're like, oh, I could probably buy this and make it better and do my own stuff. So. You know, I, I, and obviously you probably eat a lot more different places. I, I, I actually slowed down. I was, me and my wife were going to, were going to eat at a lot of spots like mm-hmm. during the week for, we have this thing that like my parents used to do it and I kind of follow it. It was, I don't know. It, was, it just happened naturally. But like my dad and my mom, you know, they worked together for so many years before my dad passed away. And like every day after work or if it was breakfast, like they take a lunch break or whatever at work or after work that we always go eat together. And it was just like their time to just breathe, hang out with each other, you know, spend some time together because they were busy all the time, you know, especially having four kids and blah, blah, you know. So, you know, I remember that like when I wouldn't go to school or like or if I was like, my, you know, I had a, just like a day off at school or got out early or whatever, they would pick me up. We would always go eat lunch. And then by the time we would get home from school, they were already cooking dinner for us. You know what I'm saying? It's like they got their meal out the way, and it's just like, all right, like now we can cook for the family. Because imagine like being hungry, getting home, still have to cook, and then all the, you know, have to make sure everybody's, you know, just keeping the structure was tough, man. Yeah. So seeing them like actually seeing them do that, where they would be like, all right, we're gonna go eat lunch at here, or we're gonna go eat lunch there. I do that with my wife. Like yeah. every time we get off of work in the morning, uh, or if we have like a day off, like I we try to make it like to go eat breakfast somewhere together. Or if I if she has a day off and I go to work, we try to go get lunch together or something. It's just we always want to have that one hour, two hour to ourselves. Yeah, no. you know, spend it together, and then get back to work. You know, like that's how it is. So um, we would go to a lot of restaurants. We would go to like, like we discovered M M&M and M Grill, which mm-hmm. is a good. It's in the medical center. It's a good uh, 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 Mediterranean Mexican. You know, uh, they they have like it's a like a variety menu but all their halal food is amazing dude like their uh shish kebabs their krafta their uh kebab platter like all all the stuff they make themselves man it is good so like i like little hole in the wall spots like that yeah like we discovered a seafood spot down the street from here like a week ago and it's like you know i I, it was delicious man and and they had the stuffed crabs and uh and uh like deep fried uh uh 
scallops. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I never had one deep fried. Yeah. It was so soft. I never had deep fried scallops. No. It was so yeah. soft yeah. Nice. and so good. So it was like we discovered that little spot. I'm like, hmm, like this could be one of our weekly spots. But yeah. right now we got to tone it down because we got the new trailer and yeah. all these other things. It's like trying to, trying to, yeah, trying to watch how, how we're managing our money right now. Yeah, you have to, man. You yeah. have to. Oh, you have to, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, you know, I, I love going to places that are more bomb and pop shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was actually talking about that today with one of my neighbors because we're, you know, uh, you know, moving back up north to Connecticut. Yeah. And up north, we have a lot of mom and pop like uh, uh, pizza places and sandwich shops. And, you know, I think one of the big things we have when we come down here is that, you know, we can't just go down and grab a, a sub from a, 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 someone down the street. And I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I feel like that's what Houston's missing. Yeah. yeah. You know, like up north, man, like I feel like that's why I'm. I don't know. Like I've always wanted. Like I always told you, I always wanted to go to New York. That's always been my dream. You know, just to see, get to see the city. Go, go look at projects. And people are like, "What the fuck's wrong with yeah. you?" But, <laughs> but I've explained it to you. You know, like it's just the hip hop culture, man. Like yeah. seeing that. You know, all these things have happened over time, and and you know, and where it's gotten to. You know, but the, I think one of the most awesome things about it is that like one of my friends that lived there for many years, uh, when he moved down here, he's like, "Man, like he missed New York so much." He mm-hmm. said. I can go out any time of the day. Yeah. It never closes. Mm-hmm. He's like, I could be working on a project all night. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, I want to go eat at a restaurant and there'll be a restaurant open for me. Yeah. yeah. He's like, well, I mean, in Rhode Island, it's it's not, <laughs> we're a smaller state. But we always, there was always a place next door nearby. Like I grew up, you know, there was, there's always a, a Chinese restaurant, a pizza place within walking distance where you'd go for whatever you you wanted to get an Italian sub. We call them a grinders, you know, Italian grinder. Right down the street, you know, six to eight bucks, usually big enough to feed two people. You know what I mean? Freshly made there. And it's just like, you know, it's not Quiznos. It's not Subways. You know, we're going to these little uh, chain restaurants where they're, you know, they're nickel and diming you on the on the on the meat. You're just. uh Oh, yeah. No, it's not good. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I I love that. We, you know, and bodegas too, like little corner stores. Yeah. Everywhere we go, you know, uh, I mean, I kind of hated it as a kid because i used to live like in a real hood ass area and then uh, every time someone come to visit my dad was like here go go to the store and buy us some chips buy us some sodas go get us some beer and you're just walking and just like dude i hope nobody jumps me for the money my dad just gave me walking to the store or you're carrying all these bags is rhode island almost as the same as like uh it's different um you know it's it's interesting when people come to rhode island and and, you know my, my wife's from new york she grew up in brooklyn uh, in the project, she lived, you know, you know, uh, right down the street from where, you know, the Marcy projects from Jay Z and stuff oh, like shit. that. So she was like all in the, that area. She grew up there her whole life. Um, and I'll Did take it to her at any point, like see him when she was growing up or anything. Mm, I don't think so. She's she's met a few people. She's known of a few people. Um, I can't remember exactly who, but she's met a few people back in the day. And she actually had a friend who used, we were talking about on the ride up to Connecticut, uh, to Rhode Island. She was saying that, uh, one of her friends from high school used to promote Neo when he before he blew up. So like she started college and he was giving her free CDs like this is gonna blow up, this is gonna blow up. And she was like, it was Neo. Like you know, oh, five years shit. later she's like, oh, this dude's big. He's he's all over the place. So yeah, I mean, he she knew a few people there and uh, uh, 
you know, she 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 had a few people that you know she she grew up with that she's seen. You know, they knew they knew of them on you know in the area, but you know, like I said, she grew up like real like New York hood. Yeah, like, she knows like that New York people when shoot. I, when like, I spoke, even when she talks, like yeah, she still has that that, that New York slang on. Yeah, her. and it's it's she she grew up in some wild areas. Like shout, I, she, she tell me Anita. Story. Yeah, yeah, Anita, I love you, baby. But you know, she she <laughs> she tell me stories, man, and it's crazy. You know the stuff that she grew up with, and I take her to rhode island and it's a completely different like type of environment where like we don't have big buildings we have many multifamily homes so they look like old you know new england style homes that might have four or five apartments in there you know what i mean but it's still kind of hood you know what i mean so you look like you're it's like it feels like you're in the uh, a very hood suburb kind of deal you know does it feel like like galveston when you go sometimes where it's like close to the water it's uh but also you see these like you know, these little big, well, they're like multiple family homes that, yeah. you know, they're leveled out. They're, they're like, you know, you have like three floors. Like that They're uh, not on the ground. They're actually like on blocks. No, that's maybe closer to the ocean. I mean, okay. you know, uh, for most of where the city is, you're away from the coast. Uh, it's usually Providence and everything is touching Providence uh, spreads out. Providence is the big major city. And so everything touching it is also kind of city, urban, and it kind of dwindles down to like suburban, whatever. Uh, but... What I always tell my friends is like, you always grew up knowing some dude that their parents shipped them to live with their aunt in Rhode Island because they were getting in too much trouble in New York. Yeah. So they were always like, how was that with with you? What happened with you? Like, no, I mean, we we came in here, you know, my my dad flew, uh, came to this country illegally. My uncle just happened to live there, you know, picked them up when he crossed the border uh, in Texas uh, and showed him how to drive a truck all the way till they got to Rhode Island. And my dad's been a truck driver ever since. Oh shit. And so most of my family is from Rhode Island. Does he uh, still drive trucks? Yeah, he still does it, uh, you know, every day. He's been doing a lot of stuff now with movies actually and uh, TV shows and stuff like that. With, he's a teamster. So, you know, he's, but you know, he's, he's moved up. He's one of, you know, the higher level guys in, in the union and stuff. So, I mean, we've come a long way from, you know, a little immigrant family from Peru coming in uh, illegally and stuff like that. But, you know, he came in. Eventually, he got me and my mom and my sister to come in, do our visas, and we, you know, let the visa expire, and we were just kind of, you know, uh, undocumented for for years, probably till about high school, I think, for me. Uh, but it's just kind of where we were. It wasn't like we moved up there because we were getting in trouble or anything like that. But, uh, you know, when you grew up over there, a lot of people you met were from New York originally, and they moved to get yeah, out you know, of whatever I issue. Telling you, something like that. Yeah, you know, we knew a lot of people who were like, oh, my mom sent me to live with my aunt because, you know, I was getting in trouble. I got arrested, and they moved me up here. And now you have these dudes who are like, uh, you know. They come with that mentality that into a different That city. New York mentality, and they're bringing them there. But they're New Yorkers, too, so they have like, uh, you know, everybody's looking up to them. Like, oh, these dudes, you know, they're the real hardcore dudes, you know, like. Especially with that hip hop mentality, the hip hop lifestyle, everybody's like, you know, how how hardcore are you? How gangster yeah. are you? You know, and so when these dudes are actually New York gangsters and they're coming into a little place like Rhode Island, you know, they, they move up quick. You know, yeah. it's a whole different level, you know, of of the type of game they can play. And so they end up becoming like usually the big the big fish the in big, the little yeah. pond, you know, and they become the leaders of the gangs. And so you start getting more gangs that started coming in with time. You, you know, you went from a few local gangs, so you started getting, like, the Crips, the Bloods, and, like, the Latin Kings and stuff like that, moving up it's back crazy. in the 90s and stuff. Because I remember I'd go to school, and it was, like, 
you know, you had three corners of the school, and it was the kids who were in the different gangs. You know, it was, it was like the Latin Kings, another local corner. one or whatever. And I was just at the school before you came into that school, you oh, know, shit. Uh, for the kids that actually went to that school, you know. Um, so, you know, it, it's – you. You'll be surprised how a little state like Rhode Island can be kind of urban or kind of ghetto or, you know, uh, how much of that, you know, that uh, New York lifestyle influences Rhode Island. Um, but it's, it's it's crazy. So I, t- I take Anita and she's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm from New York and I feel uncomfortable sometimes walking on your street just because it's different. But you, you still have that weird, crazy feel of it, you know. And yeah, so, like, so, yeah, there's parts of, New, you know, of Rhode Island that can be, you know, pretty bad and pretty hood. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I used to be a counselor for uh, a high school program. And I had to go to some of these schools, no you know, shit. and like you're dealing with, you know, you know, I had a counselor that parked their car and kids broke into his car and stole his, his radio and stuff from the high school. Like, it's just, oh, you know, it's, you know. I mean, you deal with the same thing in every city, yeah, every city. Know, but you people always think you Rhode Island there. It's like, oh, it's just probably all farmland and beaches and stuff like that. But there's, you know, it's it's condensed. And, you know, I was telling one of the guys, too, uh, about a little town, Central Falls. It's about one square mile, uh, super small little city. Uh, I used I grew up there um, and it, we got about 50,000 people in that one square mile. You know, wow. that's that's a lot. I mean, I live in Umbo and that's a few miles big and. Uh, you know, that that's probably almost close to the same population, you know, but it's condensed, a lot of multifamily homes. You have houses that are like, you know, four or five deep. Like when we bought our first house, it was on the street called Main Street, and Main Street was bad. Like it used to have like people getting shot and murdered on a regular basis. Oh, and uh, that's why we bought the house. It was cheap, <laughs> you know. We were, we were poor immigrant family, and my dad bought the house, uh, a two-family uh, two home for $47,000, mm-hmm. you know, and then you take what you get, you know, you're yeah. trying to get that American dream. I mean, you make the best out of it, man. Yeah, so you know, we went being. there, you know, house covered in gang graffiti, oh, shit. a bunch of stolen bike parts, like 15 washer and dryers that didn't work in the basement. The people who lived on the first floor had broken into the second floor and were extension cording it upstairs so the rest of their family can live up there. You know, for like the first few months, like dudes would always step on our on our front stoop and start smoking weed and stuff like that. And my dad was like, yo, we bought the house, get out of here, or I'm gonna call the cops, you know, which was kind of scary for your dad to be trying to yeah. shoot people away because you're like, you don't know who you're messing with, yeah. you know. Uh, our neighbors were big time drug dealers, you know, oh, all, sure. all this crazy stuff. Uh, but the nice, the crazy part is uh, because all that violence, all the property value went down, and little by little, first time homeowners were buying these uh, houses, low, low, cheap, and uh, low houses. and cheap. And building it up, you know what I mean? Because now it's their home. It's not just some slumlord mm-hmm. trying to rent it out to people. And, uh, you know, our house went up nicer in value. Because I remember the first year we moved in there. You still have it there? No, nah, we sold it years ago. Um, you know, and they got another house, your parents? Yeah, so my parents ended up getting us a, a single family home. But I remember the first year we were over there when people asked me, you know, I was like, how do you get your house? Go down Main Street, you take a, go down Lonsdale, then go up on Main Street. When you see the one house with Christmas lights, that's our house. We were the only ones with Christmas lights on the front of the house and stuff like that. Nobody put any Christmas lights. We had a Santa. Somebody stole our Santa. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Somebody came at night and stole our little what plastic Santa. Fuck? You know, those 90s plastic Santa. Yeah, they're all they look like the little, the, the little uh, gremlin ones. Yeah, like the gremlin ones. Yeah, it's, damn. That's so they, they stole it. So we were like, you know, we had plastic chairs that we had locked on our door and whatever. And, you know, 
but slowly, you know, throughout the year, people started buying it and living there. And, you know, you started seeing more Christmas lights. You started seeing more people who actually, you know, lived in the house they owned and took care of their homes. And, you know, all the property values started going up. Um, they actually had started having police walking the beat, just going up and down the street to keep crime down and stuff like that. And uh, with time, I mean, m- my dad bought the house for 47000 put another 30000 in upgrades for, like, new heating, new windows and stuff like that. And when I graduated high school, when I first year in college, he sold it. The lady who sold him the house, you know, came, hey, I can sell your house too. There was a big boom in property value in Rhode Island, uh, especially for all the commuters. People who wanted to spend less money in Rhode Island than buying a house in Boston, you'd get it for like a third the price. So all the property value went up. They sold it for 250000 wow. seven years later. That's awesome. That's man. crazy, you know. That's a great investment. So my Hell dad yeah. ended up selling that house and buying himself uh, like a five-year-old single-family home where they live now. Uh, putting down like a hundred k down, only owing like sixty thousand on it, and you know, so like cheap mortgage, and, Shit, and he's man. still in there now. Uh, the funny part was that like he didn't tell me they sold the house. Like he just picked me up from college one day. And took me home, and I was like, hey, you missed the exit. It's like, oh, we don't live there anymore. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. Shit. All right. What a surprise. Yeah, I was upset. I'm, I, I'm, I knew I'm, somebody. Um, I'm definitely not going to mention this person. Mm-hmm. But I knew somebody that one time, they went to, to college. They went off to college their first year. And um, I think it was like six, like the after the first semester was over with, uh, they came home, and they they went to their parents' house, went to their mom's house. And she was knocking on the door. Nobody opened the door. There was no car there. <laughs> and then when they finally opened the door, um, she found out somebody else had lived there. Oh, wow. They sold the house. They sold the house. They didn't even tell her. Yeah. That's and they, crazy. they, you know, they another family moved in. And she was like, what the hell? Like, she was, like, confused. Like, what the hell's going on? And, um, yeah, like, they had sold the house. And then she was, like, calling her mom. Uh, her mom and her dad were, like, divorced and stuff. But her mom was remarried. She was calling like uh her, you know her mom and and her stepdad no response like oh, they weren't wow. they weren't answering and then uh they called like she called her uh her dad mm-hmm. and uh he was like well I don't know what's going on I haven't talked to your mom in like forever or whatever so she ended up going to stay with her grandmother man till she got back till she went back to school did they just leave her? yeah so then she finally got a hold of her mom her mom's like well we sold the house like like y'all couldn't tell me like you yeah. knew I was coming into town and stuff, yeah. but it just her mom was a different you know type of person. But but yeah, man, like it was it was crazy to for me to hear that story of like her showing up mm-hmm. knocking and like nobody's there, and then they finally open the door and it's a whole different family, like a whole different yeah, yeah. race living in there. Yeah, you know, I always I, it reminds me of, like that scene from Back to the Future where the future change and he comes back to his house and he goes into the room and yeah. the little girl sleeping in his room and. You know, it's like you come into your own home and it's a completely different people. I can imagine the shock. And I wonder if it, I mean, I don't know the whole story of it, but, you know, I don't know if it's like a Latino thing or something where, like, your parents never want to tell you anything going on with their lives. No, and they, they hide they, everything. Well, they, they weren't. They weren't Latinos. But, oh, okay, okay. But, you know, either way, it was just kind of like, it was just a shocking story to hear, man. Yeah. You know, when, 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 uh, when she told me that, I was like, because I'm the one that gave her the ride to her grandmother's house. Oh, yeah. Cause she was like, look, like she lives down the street from where your family lives. Like, can you just do me this favor? Like, pick me up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like it's cool. Like, on the way over there, she was telling me everything. I was like, what? Like, I couldn't believe it, man. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, at least my dad drove me <laughs> to the to the new house. You know? <laughs> at least I, I didn't come there just walking yeah. into some random stranger's home and stuff like that. But it's it's interesting, man. Like how, how you know I've I've always been a fan of up north and a fan. I mean, like the culture, the you know the hip hop scene. Not that I you know I would ever want to live in that you know mm-hmm. in that in those conditions of like in a project you know where there's so much danger and stuff. I mean, people people. Uh, they don't land there by choice, but yeah. it's because it's the necessity. They need yeah. a home. They need to stay. This is what they can get, you know? Especially in a city like New York where everything's crazy so expensive. expensive. Yeah. Like, sometimes you're, you know, even even if it's not by choice, like, you know, like uh, some people, it's like there, there's a long list of people trying to get into the project mm-hmm. just because it's such a cheaper place to live. Yeah, and, and uh, I have a, a, a friend of mine that um, from from – you know, back when I used to be involved a lot with this uh, youth group, but a friend of mine that was a part of the youth group, she has family up in New York, and she's from New York. You know, they're they're from Queens, but she told me that um, she had her aunt, I believe, had a house uh, in New York, a house that I can't remember what area it was, but they had a house and they had to split it between three families. Yeah, to pay it happens it. happens a lot to like, pay it. My, it was a, wife, I it was like a two story house. And of course the basement, mm-hmm. and they had to split it into into three families. And like two of the families had like three, four kids, and one of them was just like one child, so they took the basement mm-hmm. because it was smaller. Small, yeah. Yeah, but they they split the mortgage between mm-hmm. amongst them three. That happens a lot. I mean, uh, um, you get, uh, I mean, in Rhode Island you get sometimes things. It's not as expensive in Rhode Island as it is in New York, but in New York you do see that a lot. You know, my Anita told me had a friend who I guess they bought a house too between him, his sister, and his dad. You know, they split a, a multifamily home and each one takes their own apartment. Uh, in Rhode Island, you see that sometimes too, where like you'll go in you know, two or three ways with somebody else and you know, you own a multifamily home. Um, I, I've known some people who their first homes are multifamily homes just because you can get that rent, you know, you can you can yeah. you can afford your mortgage while two other people are helping you pay your yeah, mortgage well, too. Uh, Tim from the lodge, I don't know if you know him, mm-hmm. uh, Timothy Duffield. Mm-hmm. So he uh, shouts out to Tim. Uh, he bought his first home. He bought it as a as a as a quad, like a multi-family yeah. home. And uh, I mean, I, I felt he's a single. Well, now he has, you know he's in a relationship, but he bought it as a single guy. Yeah. Rented it out the other three tenants, and I mean, it's paying off. You I know? mean, me and Mo were, uh, and he got it for like I think, if I'm not mistaken, he got it for a really good price. That's good. He he did like just a couple of remodeling things here and there, but I mean, it's paying off on its own. So I mean, me and Mo were in the process of buying um. Multi-family home here? right right down the street from where he lives off of uh uh be, right before you get to Scott off of uh ah, what's that street uh you know where that little Buddhist temple is uh south of downtown off of forty five mm. well, it's right near Scott Street where that new where the new uh subway they built the I mean the, the new metro train, the new metro rail yeah, yeah. yeah um it's like a little bit south of that um. We had a uh, two-family home, uh, thousand square foot, two apartments, and a garage apartment that we were getting for about seventy thousand dollars after Ike, you know, hurricane damage, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were, we were going through the whole process of everything. Everything was going well. We found, you know, uh, a guy that was going to do all the repairs plus more. Like he was telling the the loan officer that they were charging us thirty thousand for repairs, but he was going to do twice as much work for the same price, um, just so we can. You know, get new walls, new sidings, yeah. all that stuff. It would have been a great investment, um, but it was right during that financial crisis. 
and all the banking and all the foreclosures yeah, and stuff. Very, like, so they're being real strict, and the underwriter did not accept. We were, the total loan would have been a hundred and hundred and ten thousand, and he didn't say the house would keep value. He said there's no comps for that house. It, I was so upset. He's stupid. Like, yeah, and so that, they, oh, you can't find a house over there now under three hundred. Exactly, like. and so we 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 were uh, we had to let the contract end, and we had to start over again and put a new bid. So we put a bid for fifty thousand. Saying we'll do fifty, do another thirty, eighty thousand for everything or whatever. Um, I think they had an investor that was willing to offer cash, yeah. and the bank was done with it because they already wasted like three months with us. They didn't want to continue with us, Shit. so we lost out on that house. But literally three months later, the house was on the market again for one hundred and fifty thousand. Oh shit! More than we had already, you know, already would have made our money back or whatever. Um, and I, I just drove by the other day, and uh, there was a, a machine shop that was right next to it, and a couple houses. All those got bought up and uh, townhomes were built. And I was like, dude, that was our I've goal. I've seen so many townhomes now. Man. I was like, it's we like... were just like, we're going to keep it. I'm going to live in one apartment, fix the other. Then eventually I'll move out, keep it renting, hopefully pay it off in 10 years. And literally 10 years later, you know, like hopefully within 10 years, we'll you know, sell it to a developer for mm -hmm. townhomes or whatever. Literally exactly the way it happened, except I didn't own it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but yeah, no, crazy, I mean, it, but in New England, that's... A lot of the houses you see, a lot of the houses are multifamily homes or old colonial homes, old Cape Cod homes that were like, you know, multifamily have each floor. You know, I lived in one apartment, one house. Uh, it was like big house divided in half, kind of like two townhomes kind of deal. Um, and that house was probably about like 200 years old. No shit. And the owner, uh, his his dad, his grandfather built that house. And his grandfather was uh, a surgeon, a doctor. In the olden days. So he's like, in this house, oh. he did all the surgeries and all oh, the stuff shit. like that. Like, it was that old. A lot of mafia. Uh, uh. <laughs> probably, well, this is probably even before the mafia. This is probably yeah. like back in, you know, like, this was like in the 90s when I lived there. So it was probably like early. Lucky Thompson kind of day. Yeah. Right? And so it was it was just really, really old school, old shit. houses. And, uh, I mean, you get a lot of those old houses and they convert them to fit as many people as you can. You know, what could have been three bed, like three apartments. They're gonna cut them down and make yeah. one one bedroom and a two bedroom. So uh, somebody that I know, they they own a, a house right there by the the Houston Children's Museum, and when they bought the house, man, they 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 bought it for like, if I'm not mistaken, like two hundred, three hundred. Yeah. Around and this was back in late '90s, which is a lot already. Mm -hmm. That house is worth over a million right oh, now. Oh yeah. And um, he had to knock down certain walls inside the house to make uh, the rooms bigger. Mm -hmm. Cause they were so small yeah but he ended up buying the property next to his there were like some apartments you know like little uh, townhome apartments or whatever and uh he ended up remodeling because they needed a lot of work and the flooring the wood flooring uh when they appraised it that wood flooring it came out that it was from the 40s oh wow so it was very old yeah and he ended up just having them finish it again mm -hmm. just to kind of bring it back yeah. a little bit of life but I just think it's interesting, man, when there's, like, all these old homes that still have so much, like, oh, yeah. strength I and, mean, and, and good bones, you know? You see, when I mean, I'm looking at houses now, and you're looking at some of these houses in Connecticut that were built, like, so early. You guys, you guys are already looking at houses? Yeah, I just kind of getting, getting a feel for the market and idea of, like, what, you know, what money will buy us. But I saw some houses there that are literally considered historic land sites. Like, you could buy a home that are, like, you know someplace where is like, it going to be more expensive over there now than it is here yeah it's it'll be more expensive but i mean it's older. also the, the pay over there is going to be a little bit better right um i mean we're doing transfers so we're not really like 
it's like if I if I switch my job and got a new job, I'll probably get a lot more money. Oh, and I'll probably get a bump just for the, the cost of living difference or whatever. But uh, you know, I'm not taking a new job. We're just transferring over there. So, but the, yeah, the cost is the cost of the homes are more expensive, but the taxes are cheaper compared to here. Uh, all now, how considered. would that work though? Can you like tell your job like, hey, like I'm in, I'm gonna move. Well, now they know you're gonna move out there. I already, uh, I already talked with them, and they've uh, transferring me to uh, our office in Hartford that we have. Um, so they're already put that in there. I mean, once before I move there, I'm gonna talk to them a little more to find out, you know, the financial aspect yeah. of everything. And that'd uh, be interesting, man. Yeah. So I mean, hopefully it, it all works out. I mean, you get, I mean, now I got to deal with state income tax. We don't have that here in Texas. Now, do you, are, are you excited to move out there again? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to be close to home, close to family. Um, you know, I'm, I, I love Houston. You I didn't really have, I mean, besides your, your your close friends and your fraternal brothers, uh, no siblings here in, in Houston? No year? siblings. I had some family, like cousins and stuff, uh, cousins uh, and second cousins that, you know, lived in. I had a, a group of cousins that I used to live with us, my mom's, uh, my mom's husband, my mom's uh, brother, uh, him and his family, they moved to Houston like in the early 90s when we were little kids. So mm-hmm. my cousins, I hang out with them sometimes, and I have a couple uncles and stuff here, but they all live in Katy. You oh, know, yeah, it's pretty so far might as well live saying. in another state <laughs> at this yeah. point. But, uh, but no, I mean, it'd be nice to be back home. Um, I'm excited for my daughter to see snow, you know, like. Like, I'm waiting for that first day of snow so I can call out of work and I'm going to take her sledding and, you know. That's exciting, man. See how exciting she's going to get for that. Because the only snow she saw is when she went up in November to New York and there was, like, those piles of snow that have been out on the ground for, like, a month and a half. And (laughs) it's all rock hard and brown. Yeah, they're all rock hard. It's all mainly ice. It's melted. Who knows what's been in there. I had a teacher. Oh, she was, like, a counselor back in middle school. And uh, she, like, I've always wanted to go to New York. So when we were talking one time, uh, I was in her office. I saw a picture that she was in New York with Michael Jordan. Oh, nice. It was, uh, I think it's like a sibling or or, or uh, her first husband's uh, cousin or something like that. She was remarried, but some, somehow she knew him. Like, they she, they personally know him. And um, she was, te- like, there's a photo of them, you know, on the street in New York. And there's snow everywhere. I'm like, oh, man, I always wanted to go to New York, you know. She's like, man, no, you don't. The snow is not like what it seems like. She's yeah. like, that shit is gray. <laughs> She's like, that shit is gray as shit. And then sometimes you see like rats going through the snow like yeah. nothing. Like the first, like, the first night of the snowstorm is the best. Like the first 24 hours after it snows, before they start cleaning it up and all the cars get on there is where you want to be. I mean, when I was in Boston for college, you know, me and Mo, there'd be a blizzard. Like we'd go explore. No like we'd sure. walk around and we'd jump off of stuff and we <laughs> uh, cars would get, uh, you know, cars would be driving and get stuck on the side and you're helping them push them out. But no, we just jump sure. on it because, you know, you're going to get like 24 inches of snow in one night. You know, take advantage of it. Go right around. You'd go to the parks and you see people trying to sled on stuff like at one in the morning because they want to catch that fresh snow. Man, nothing better than that. That fresh, just just fresh snow that just falls on the next morning. I knew this guy that he moved to New Jersey for right after college. I think he got like a job or something as an architect, and he moved out there. And uh, he's like, "Yeah, I didn't know I had to buy all this shit. Yeah, <laughs> like a shovel and all. You this. gotta have a shovel in your car. <laughs> I mean, in the big cities, you gotta have, to have a shovel in your car because parking sucks. Yeah. You know, if you if you ever look up Boston in the winter. The biggest issues they have is uh, uh, claiming parking spots. So, like in certain towns outside of Boston, 
it's you you could claim your parking spot with any item from your home and it's illegal for someone to park in that spot after a snowstorm so because you're going to spend an hour shoveling your car out and i remember when i was in boston you'd be shoveling your car and there's someone there just parked with your blinker waiting for you to leave so as soon as you leave they take your spot you do all the work and they'll take your spot so yeah. little, so in in some towns of uh, right outside of boston like they have you know little rules where it's like you'll see people and they'll leave like uh, a lawn chair or a beach ball or like something that belongs to them that'll stay there so that nobody can take their parking and, spot and what if people move it or oh the people sh- get into fights dude it's just no, it's, yeah and i like there's some towns that were literally had to like make laws to say you could claim your spot and it's you'll get a fine if you try to remove someone's spot like that. So they, I saw a few articles on that last year, oh, a shit. couple of years, but it's been getting kind of bad. Cause, you ready to get back out there in that? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, fortunately for me, uh, you know, in Rhode Island, yeah, uh, that issue. I'm not uh, where we live in Rhode Island. My, my dad has a driveway, you know, um, wherever we live in Connecticut, we'll have a driveway and my office will most likely have parking. So I don't think I'm going to be worrying about that. If I was living like in Boston, in the city of Boston, definitely. Cause Yasin. He mm-hmm. talks about how much he hates fucking Boston. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, dude, no. He was like, I remember when I, when I, one time we were talking and I was like, oh, he's like, I was like, oh, you know, how long you been in Houston? He's like, well, first I was in Boston and then I came to Houston. I'm like, oh, so I was like, how was Boston? He's like, it's a, sh- it's shit. He said, really? <laughs> I'm like, why? He's like, because there's nothing to do. Like when you're in Boston, yeah, you have your historical things, but it's like, other than that, there's nothing else. You want to go to New York or you want to go to like Rhode Island or you want to go to like other places. Because it's like that's all you have. Like, I mean, if you're in Boston and you want to go to Rhode Island, like you're only going for the strip clubs. <laughs> that's like the only that reason. Like, yes, and that's like the only reason you would leave. Not like that's the only reason you would be like in Boston and say, "Hey, I'm gonna go to Rhode Island. I'm gonna go to Providence because the strip clubs or something." Because uh, yeah, but no, I mean, uh, uh, I, I love Boston, man. I mean, if you know where to go and you know where to check out, you know, avoid some of the touristy spots, but yeah. you know. You know where to go. You're going to have a great time. You know, there's so much to do in Boston. I mean, even though I lived in Rhode Island. He would say, like, he had an apartment. He was just basically paying rent because he was like, I would stay there all week during the week. But as soon as the weekend came, he would stay in New York for the weekend. He's like, it's just, he didn't, he didn't find himself there. Well, you know, I I think compared to New York, you're always going to have more stuff to do in New York because New York's a 24-hour city. There's always something to do. There's always something to do. He looks like he's a 24-hour guy. Yeah. And Boston, it's Boston's like Houston kind of things start cooling down at two, you know they're they're a little more conservative with their times and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, definitely, you know, if you're trying to be partying to four or five in the morning, yeah, you're probably not gonna have fun in Boston like you would in New York. Um, you know, I'm usually in bed by eleven now. So. Uh, I wanna <laughs> I wanna switch up right now sure. and, because I, I felt like you brought up a great like a great point earlier when when we, before we started recording. Um, you talking about how Harvey happened two years ago yeah and with you know it, it feels like it, it felt like it was last year still yeah it feels it doesn't like, feel it like it's been two years mm-hmm. yeah like I've, I've been looking at stuff or i get memories on my phone i'm like damn it's been two years you know yeah i mean i was thinking about that uh i went it was last week basically yeah last week and a half or two weeks ago two weeks yeah. ago something like that and it was like it, it happened on the 26th and it started clearing up on the 30 mm-hmm. you know so, um, but anyways, um, that was actually the weekend of my bachelor party. Yeah. That's what I was, was, yeah. was going to bring up. Like, that was, so that was I, I don't know the party. actual story, mm-hmm. but what, what, it, 
ended up happening and how long were you stuck up north before you could get back for your wedding? So, yeah, we left. Uh, my wedding was supposed to happen the 3rd of September. Oh, um, shit. So it was like the weekend after Harvey. Um, and uh, so the weekend before, we I flew up to Boston um, and we were going to go to Montreal for my bachelor party. It's like five hours from Boston. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were all going to commute, drive up there and spend the weekend in Montreal. Montreal is beautiful. Great city. If you ever want to go, you know, someplace that feels European without going all the way to Europe, you know, mm-hmm. they speak French everywhere. It's real clean city. How far is it from New York? Uh, I'm probably like six, seven hours from and New how York. How far is it from, from Rhode Island? From Rhode Island, it's about six hours because it's like one, it's five hours and a half from Boston. So it's about, you know, Rhode Island's like 45 minutes from Boston. So. And I'm sorry. And from, from Rhode Island to New York, how, how much of a drive? Uh, Rhode Island to New York is three. Rhode Island to Boston is 45 to an hour, depending on traffic. So, um, Rhode Island to Boston is 45? Yeah. And then New York is three hours? Three hours, yeah. And Anita is working where in, in Connecticut. In Connecticut, so her office is actually like in between both of ours. So it's about one hour from my parents and about two hours from her mom's. About okay. So for at least her job wise, you know, that's so cool. It's right in the middle. That's why it all worked out. But yeah, and I mean, we decided to go do the road trip to to Montreal, which was beautiful drive, dude. I mean, it was August, uh, all mountainy and trees. I was like, dude, we don't get any any elevation here in Houston. It was real beautiful to see all that. You know, we were excited. I knew Harvey was coming, but, you know, my wife's prepared, and we have water and <laughs> yeah. all all this stuff. Uh, it kind of sucked because we had a, a, a group of friends that came for the wedding, uh, one of Anita's friends. They came early because they would do a cruise out of Galveston, and I got canceled. So, oh, But I was man. like, hey, at least you get to hang out with your friends and have a good, you know, week yeah. before the wedding. Um, it's crazy when that happens. Like you, you prepare yourself. You're like, all right. Worst case scenario, and then like worst case scenario comes, and it's like we weren't fucking ready for no, this. No, we weren't, and, and I mean, <laughs> it was crazy. And so when we were there in Montreal, the second night that I was there, I think it was like Saturday night. Uh, that's when I think the storm hit real hard. Uh, was it Saturday night? Yeah, the yeah, twenty sixth Saturday night. And that's when the McGregor the, Mayweather fight yeah, was going on. McGregor, yeah, because we were watching that in some of the bars we were at, and uh, I just remember she had to go pick up my mom from the airport. So my mom was flying in early to help us out with everything before the wedding, you know, the last minute prepping and stuff like that. And so she left to go pick up uh, my mom from the airport. She, my mom arrived around 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. Um, and she left the baby with her friends. Like, you know, I don't want to wake her. She's asleep. I'm just going to go. I'll be back in like an hour, you know, at Hobby. Uh, from We live in Humble. So she went down to get my mom. As soon as she got there, the Your family rent- came in from Hobby? He flew down Damn. to Hobby. And Bush is real, real close to where you stay. Yeah, but all the cheap flights are from oh, Hobby, you know, shit. Southwest and JetBlue. Yeah, Blue. I mean, because United would be overpriced. And yeah, stuff, so man. they were, you know, we, and remarkably, we get a lot of direct flights from Boston here. Uh, so she, my mom flew Southwest and went to go pick her up. Uh, and as soon as they got there, the rain started coming down hard. Thunder, lightning, and, you know, so she's calling me. Uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm here, my mom, but it's raining. So I'm just going to park here waiting for her to get out. So my mom tried to get out. They couldn't let any of the luggage out of the plane because of how bad the rain was. It was just coming out way too hard. So they, they were delayed for maybe like an hour or so before they told her to come back another day for the luggage. So she gets in the car. They go to leave. Um, and by that point, it's just flooding. You know, that area over there by the by Hobby is just bad yeah. for the flooding. And so... How long did it take her from get to get from there to home? Uh, truth be told, she didn't get home for about two days. Uh, so... That night, she got maybe about 
a few blocks away from me from Hobby before they decided to just park in the parking lot of the gas station and wait for the rain to stop. And hoping the rain will stop and they can leave because the water was just getting too high. She could see by the door level. And uh, so she stopped at the gas station. A few hours turned to a lot, you know, turned to one in the morning. Uh, and they had turned off the lights at the gas station. And, you know, and it's kind of hood over there. Yeah. So she's like, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go down the street. So as she's driving down the street, um, the water's high. She's freaking out. My mom's trying to calm her down, you know. Yeah. To her, my mom in a car and uh, one of the tires pops. So God, she had to pull in no. another gas station closer to uh, 45, pull in there. And she's trying to figure out how to get the tire out. And she's just soaking wet, waiting, nothing. And she's like, I don't know what to do. She, I'm calling her like, you know, you, you feel real guilty. You know, like I'm over yeah, there trying to have I, a good I time. Can't do anything, you know. And every like 30 minutes, like what's going on now? Are you okay? Are you guys home already? No, we're still stuck. And so, you know, my mind, I'm thinking, oh, you know, one or two hours, maybe an hour delay. She'll be fine. Just let the rain go out and, she'll, you know, drive back home. Her tire pops, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. She's like, and she keeps telling me, just go have fun. Just go have fun. There's nothing you can do. Just go have fun. But, you, you know, you can't stop thinking you about can, it. You can't. Right? I mean, you, you have know. it in your conscience, like, I hope they're okay. Yeah, I like, hope they're okay. Yeah. And so we're there. She's there, and uh, a tow truck comes and drops off a car that I guess got flooded, and they dropped it off in the gas station. So she asked the guy. The guy's like, I'll change your tire for 60 bucks. She gives him 60 bucks. He changes her tire. She goes to drive out. You know, by this point, it's like 2, 3 in the morning. She goes to dry out. The tire is flat. The spare tire was flat. Oh, my God. So she comes back, parks. She's trying to fill up the air. She's soaking wet. She's freezing cold. You know, she tells me that she came back in the car. She's just shaking. My mom's like, take off your shirt. We're going to put you in a towel. My mom didn't have a lug- any luggage either. Yeah. So she just happened to have a – she works for Costco. She had like a Costco banner, one of those fabric banners. And she just was huddled over it while her clothes were trying to dry. And mom's like, let's just wait here until it stops raining. So, you know, by this point for me, it's like 3, 4 in the morning. I'm calling them every hour, every 30 minutes. And they're like, we're just going to stay here until morning. And I'm like, okay. So they spent the night in the gas station soaking wet, ready to go. Um, And honestly, it's a godsend that it happened like that because who knows how bad the water would have been. Yeah, or them being stuck in a flooded area. Yeah, yeah. They can't get out. They can't get out. So There's a lot of people that got hurt. Like, um, so... My wife's uncle that's married to her to her aunt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're not married anymore. They're divorced. But he, he, he you know, um, I don't know if you heard the story about the, the woman that lost all her kids. Oh, yeah. The, okay. The, 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 so they had, like, he that was his his girlfriend or fiance. Oh, wow. That's, that's she lost right. all her kids. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just, like, you could, you know, you can't predict how. Uh, how bad it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, how bad it's going to be. But, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and, and, and I mean, my mom's flight was planned months in advance. So it's not like we could have been like, oh, yeah, it's a Harvey. You know, we don't expect we don't know how bad it's going to be. And it's the I think it was like actually her first big hurricane dealing with it, too. So but they waited till the next morning to try to leave. And uh, so they they leave early in the morning. The rain kind of subsided there. Uh, so they start to go out and they're just seeing all these cars floating on the side of, you know, 45, the side of 45, the uh uh, the frontage road over there is always really bad and uh, the feed is always really bad. And so she gets on the highway and she's driving up past downtown. She goes to downtown and uh, 
This is in the morning. This is in the morning. So they okay. already spent the whole night. I'm waking up the next morning like, you guys okay? You guys home yet? It's like, no, not yet. We're still trying to get out there. So I was like, okay. So she's driving up uh, 45, gets on 59, uh, and starts heading up towards our house. Yeah. And then they get to 610, where the 610, close to 610. There's that dip under over there. Um, and uh, she just sees cars flying in the opposite direction on that on that side of the highway. They're like, driving back. They're like, driving back. Away. They're driving back. And she's like, what the hell's going on? Like, she's freaking out. My mom's like, just calm down. We're just going to keep going. And they get to the underpass and it's under. And they're stuck in a dilemma. Like, do they stay here or do they try to take it? And my mom's go like, don't take it. Don't go Don't go there. It's really bad. So she's calling me like, where can we go? Where can we stay? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And so I'm calling um, everybody in, in Houston. Like, you know, they're driving around trying to figure out where to get whatever. Um, my cousin's husband worked security at the BBVA Compass, mm-hmm. uh, the soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had to work the night that the rain was coming. Um, and so my cousin was like, I'm going to go with you because if that way, if you get stuck where you can't come back, at least we'll be together. You know, uh, they live in like a second floor apartment, so they weren't worried about their apartment. Um, so fortunately, they called, she called them and they were like, try to make it to the stadium you can stay with us so it's like okay so she gets to the stadium and uh she gets to the stadium she gets out they get parking in there he lets them in there he's like you can stay with us you know until everything's better and we can get back up north back to the house um and uh, she just told i mean he told me like as soon as she saw him she just hugged him and started crying and you know she she's still freaked out about rain in general like I only imagine yeah, like so shit it's it's she got some PTSD from that um sadly and I mean this you know it's it's heartbreaking for her and she was just freaking out but the whole time we're doing this our daughter's with by herself by well, herself not by herself but with strangers with, yeah she's never really met these people before so oh, she's man. there at the house by herself and I'm stuck is she freaking out in Boston um eventually by day 2 she started freaking out. She started crying. She started peeing herself. Like, you know, she was yeah. she was just didn't know these people. She wanted mommy and daddy, and there's nothing we could do, you know. And uh, so she stays at the stadium with my uh, my cousin, and they're lucky that there was like catering food left over that they just started going through in the fridge. People left their lunches. They just were like eating yeah. whatever they had there. Luckily, they had like you know a room, and they were washing their clothes and drying their clothes. And but they 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 were there in like a dark room with. No windows for, you know, a couple of days coming out every now and then to see what's going on. Um, I think by the second day, I think this might have been Tuesday or Monday, Tuesday, Monday, maybe. Um, you know, I decide me and Mo, you know, we we're all stuck up in Boston. Uh, and his family was here, too. Yeah, but they were at their house. Oh, OK. And so they were saying, tell Nina to try to get to their yeah. house. And uh, so the closest place for her was the BBA mm-hmm. the soccer the stadium. stadium. Um, so she didn't, you know, want to make that trip. She didn't want to risk anything to get stuck anywhere. So, um, but we were, we decided to come down whatever flight we could. I was like, I can't wait. They're telling me you're going to come back Wednesday, Thursday, maybe. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't be gone away from my family where they're stuck in different locations. Like, even if I get there and I can get home while, you know, Anita's stuck at the soccer stadium, you know, at least I could be with the baby, you know, like Mm -hmm. whatever it takes. So me and Mo were like, Dude, it was like a buddy cop movie. Like to, we we're like ready to do whatever we had to do. Goofy asses coming down. We flew into Austin. His parents picked us up from San Antonio, and then we took his dad's car. This tiny little like 
little two-door four-cylinder car i was like if we hit any flooding this car is gonna die on us or like no we're, so we're, you were st- you were stuck where again sorry at this point boston boston so, so we came back from montreal and I, my fight from boston so we're just waiting in boston to find out when we come back in we just, how many days has this been by that point we were supposed to leave uh i think i was supposed to leave on monday and by tuesday i'm flying in um but they told us we wouldn't be able to leave till Wednesday, maybe Thursday, Friday. They weren't sure. And I had some friends that couldn't even come back till the following Saturday, you know. Um, but we ended up, like, where can we go? Can we fly somewhere else? Can you take us to San Antonio? No, there's no flight to San Antonio. Can you take us to Austin, Dallas, whatever? We'll go anywhere. So the nearest place they could take us was Austin. It was flights that opened up Tuesday morning to Austin. So we're like, okay, we'll go to Austin. Um, most families from San Antonio, it's a one-hour drive. You know, from there. So they picked us up and we took their car and we're like, we'll go to Academy. We'll buy an inflatable raft if we have to. We'll, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting up all the red crosses that we see at the airport because they're all, they're floor flying into Austin to get to Houston. And we're like, you know, oh, how are you guys getting to Houston? We'll follow you. We'll go wherever you go. You know, they're like, we don't know. We don't know. We're just volunteers. You know, nobody knows exactly. Yeah. So we're just thinking we'll just go there. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm posting a lot online. I'm posting videos and pictures. I'm like, hey, if you guys know which way to go, let yeah, me know. Let know. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, and so you were people, using it resourcefully for for yeah. Uh, so we were just telling wherever we get, and we're like, we'll go as far as we can. My cousin was like, let me know if you want to borrow the truck and the jet ski. You know, like if you get stuck somewhere, you can at least take the jet ski to the other side. And, yeah. You know, every, like everybody was really, really helpful. helpful you know, That's good. Um, and I mean, it, it, we we drove in. And I think we got very fortunate that I tend cleared up pretty much all the way till about um, Washington Street, uh, and so we ended up getting off there and taking the side roads to get to downtown no shit. to drop off more home, and then I took the side roads till I got till past six ten uh, to get home. So um, that same day, my wife decides she's going to try it and go home as well. So. Uh, she got home maybe about an hour and a half before I got home um, in Humble. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it was a nice reunion at that point. And, uh, I can only imagine. And, huh? I mean, my daughter was a little freaked out with everything. And, uh, you know, and I felt bad, really bad for her friend because they were there. And they were kind of stuck. They were stuck. We got lucky that we didn't get any major flooding, but the water was rising. And he's like, I don't know where to go. I don't know, Houston, I got to take care of your daughter, my son, your dogs. I was like, even if I get in the car to leave, I wouldn't know where to go. So we had neighbors. I was like, if anything comes up, you know, please go get them because they're, they're not going to know what to do. They don't know anything about this, you know. he, you know, So they're freaking out too. Yeah, so it's yeah. just like everybody was dealing with their struggles that week. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, all of Houston was, you know. But, uh, yeah, we ended up finally re- reuniting that day. And fortunately, uh, um, you know, we didn't deal with any major flooding, you know. Uh, I mean, not to say that there weren't a lot of people in our areas that did, but we got really lucky. Um, the only big issue we had was that we were, while we were in Boston, the company that we were doing our wedding at, the venue, called us to say, well, you know, we don't have access to the venue. We don't even know when we'll be able to get in there. We don't know how clear it is. We don't even know what damage is going on there. Uh, we recommend you cancel your wedding and reschedule for another day. So literally like less than a week before our wedding, we had to cancel it and let all our friends know they have to go cancel their flights. 
we have to re- redo our catering. Like everybody, fortunately, everybody was very understanding. Uh, I think the only person that we couldn't get to rebook was our DJ because he was already booked for the the day we we rescheduled everything. Uh, but like I said, we didn't deal with any damage. We didn't deal with any issues, uh, any major issues outside of the inconvenience. And uh, um, obviously, I think we lost maybe about uh, 50, 60 people that were supposed to come to the wedding. So mm-hmm. like we were expecting like 120, 130 people at our wedding ended up being about 75, you know. Wow. So it was, you know, you lose just because it was January at that point and the vacation days were different for people. So. Oh, I mean, we were, we, were, we were blessed in in a sense, but it was, you know, the, those three, two, three days were just real, really rough, you know. And how old was your daughter at that time? Uh, she was about four. So she was four, wow. uh, four years old at the time. So, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, mm-hmm. The funny part, though, is that my cousin works for Univision in Boston. So while he was there, they were all talking about, you know, the hurricane. And they were like, hey, you know. Anybody have any anything that we could talk? Cause you know they're in Boston. They're on, it's it's not easy to just talk about a hurricane in Houston and relate it to Boston. You know, yeah. so um, he he told them the story of what happened for the wedding for the bachelor party. And I was stuck in Boston, and they're stuck over there in the door. And so they came and interviewed us. So we had a, uh, NBC Univision interview us, and then we started getting calls from all these other companies and. Everybody oh, wanted to put shit. it. We were on the Boston Globe. We started getting um, Good Morning America. Did wanted you save it. all that? Yeah, I have the. I'll, I'll, I'll give them to you to post or whatever. But I have uh, links and stuff for some of that stuff too. Oh, and shit. Uh, we 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 had uh, a lot. Of, you know, I can send you the video. And uh, we were on the news, and uh, we started getting calls from like Good Morning America and stuff like that. Damn. Uh, but the thing is, with news and stuff, stories flip and change quickly. So yeah. as soon as we were done. You know, a couple days into it, there a good morning was like, "Oh, we want to call you to see if we'll bring you in to New York to interview you guys or whatever." Blah 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 blah. There was another lady from like the Oprah Winfrey show. They were like, "Oh, uh, from like oh, whatever something from Oprah or something." Uh, and so we were like, "Oh shoot, we might actually like start going like yeah, kind of exciting afterwards." You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like, hopefully the baby's okay, but we're, we're gonna be. No, on TV. <laughs> I mean, but we were already together by that point. You know what I mean? We're all we're all yeah, together, yeah. and now we're getting these phone calls from these big companies to yeah. like do interviews and stuff. And we're like, well, hey, why not? You know, maybe we'll get like a free trip to New York or something like that. And uh, but by that point, they started doing different stories. They, they went to Beaumont and started going that way because like, it was and, still pretty. Yeah, more, it was really bad. Yeah. So now they started focusing on different things. Yeah. And, you know, you slowly lose. Um, you get you, the interest in you gets lost yeah. real quick. You should have uh, gone to all those places and be like, "Hey, I'm still here, guys." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, "Oh, we'll the get weddings back to on you. this day if y'all want to go." Yeah. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, literally like a year later, um, they called Anita. Uh, I don't know if it was like NBC or ABC or somebody, and they wanted to know if we wanted to be part of a show where they'd pay for our wedding, um, because of the hurricane. You know what I mean? Like, they want to interview us a few times to see if. You know, we'd make a good fit for this show that they wanted, like a special they wanted <laughs> to do. And we were like, yo, we got married like six months ago, but we'll do another wedding if you want. Man. <laughs> you know, if you're going to pay for it, we'll take another one. They're like, but not interested. They were like, no, no, no. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like we, I said, God willing, we didn't have anything major. More inconvenience and some stress and, you know, some scary moments. But, you know, we, we fared out very lucky compared to a lot of people in Houston. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of people who lost their houses for years or months and there's people that know. i know man that uh, you know they ended up losing their homes and 
There's some people that had to like, you know, remodel. Uh, there's some people that had to like move to another city for the time being yeah. till their house got fixed. It was just crazy, man. It, I mean, it was heartbreaking driving through Kingwood because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right there by Kingwood. And yeah. the houses that were by the lake that were just you're driving down the street and it's just everybody's life on the sidewalk. You know? well, Kevin, mm-hmm. uh, I went to go help him oh, get yeah. his stuff out of his apartment. Mm-hmm. And all the apartments, like I couldn't believe that water got to his floor and he was on the second floor. But it's because over there in that area, Briar Forest, man, mm-hmm. it has all those like dips and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I mean, when we went to go move his stuff out, it was like a ghost town, dude. Yeah. They had already cleared out all the other apartments because I think he was stuck in Germany, I think. Oh, yeah. He was stuck in Germany. That's and then weird. when he got here, he was like, he lost all, he lost his, all his stuff mostly. Yeah, cause we, we went to do a little, I went to go help out a little bit over there in Kingwood with some of the houses that were over there. And, uh, you know, me being me that lo- loves to cook, I, I brought my, uh, my turkey fryer and I made chicken wings for everybody that was working there. I just, I had like 40 pounds of chicken wings. My cousin who works for the soccer stadium, they switched caterers. So they were giving away all their old food because they couldn't use up food anymore. So he gave me like two boxes of chicken wings that had like 40 pounds of chicken wings in each box. So I was like, I made, I marinated them all. And I went over there and I fried chicken for everybody. Try to feed as many people as I could that were working there. And then I helped out with clearing out some stuff in the side of the houses for a couple houses. And, I mean, it was heartbreaking. You're going out there and you're seeing people's wedding pictures and, you know, all this stuff out in the they front. They only have, like, minutes to grab whatever they could. And it's just everything destroyed. And it, it, the heartbreaking part, the lady who we were helping, she was like, oh, we had flood insurance for, like, 10 years. And then the year before we had that, we had, you know, the year before Harvey, we had that really bad rain. Um, and uh, the river flooded over mm-hmm. there in Kingwood or whatever. And she's like, we survived that. We'll survive anything. So they canceled their ho- their flood insurance literally yeah, months before Harvey that hit. Sucks, dude. They didn't renew it, and then they get flooded, you know, for Harvey. That's, that sucks. And, I mean, Anita's job, she works for Costco and Humble, and that's high and elevated. But because the river got overflown, it flooded. The store? It, yeah. So it flooded the first time, that first big rain yeah. the year before, uh, when right before they were about to open. Like, they opened and they flooded, and they had to close for like three, four months to repair it again. Um, so then a year later, Harvey happens. They have to close again, and the water was so high, it was almost to the – like if you've been to Costco, you know, everything's on these racks. Yeah, on these it shelves. It was almost to the top of the rack. And this thing's probably like 25 to 30 feet above the river. Level, yeah. You know, so it's high up there. So you're looking at maybe like 50 feet above, Kaz, above water. Cass gave me some advice during that time. Um, he told me like – when, you, when we were looking to buy houses, he was like, look, there's an app. And if you're looking to buy a house, whatever, open up this app. He's like, and they'll tell you if you're below sea level and how, how like, low you are. Yeah. He said that when Harvey was about to hit, he opened the app and he looked and he's like, we're good. It's not going to flood here. Mm-hmm. So he let his neighbors know, like, we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And they were. Yeah. And it's crazy how technology now can help you do that. But yeah. sometimes you never know, man. You never you're, know. You're, you never you're know. playing your cards, you know. But but I, I think it was uh, interesting for him to do that. And we were looking at houses. I was using that a lot, mm-hmm. you know. But, dude, I can I can only imagine, man, uh, the, the stuff that people went through. Like, you know, shouts out to, to a friend of mine, Derek, the mm-hmm. one that fights in the UFC. Yeah. You know, him, that guy, Trey the Truth, the rapper, and, like, uh, you know, all these other people, man, they traveled to go help people, not not just here, oh, but yeah. in Beaumont and, 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 and not different even, spots, not even, man. Not even just, I mean, just the people coming in from, you know, 
Louisiana, the, the, the Kansas. And as soon as Lakewood and... finally opened their doors, like everybody rushed over there to donate. Yeah. It got to a point they're like, stop bringing oh, yeah. clothes and we shit. We went to like... donate. We as soon as we got home that day, our first thing was to go through all our stuff and whatever clothes we could take, toys for the kids, you know, stuff like that. And we were donating it, and we went to donate, and they were like, oh, it's uh, you know, we we were too full. You know, we had to find different places to donate and, you know, drive on to a few different churches to go get furniture and stuff like That's that. Understandable. It was just whatever we could. Uh, but the hard part was, like, literally, was it, like, less than a month or so after that happened? So we went from Harvey, where Anita's dad's calling us, freaking out about Anita. Yeah. And then it happened in New York, right? He, no, in, in, yeah. in Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. So he's in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And literally, like, a month later, she's the opposite direction. Well, now we're worried about... Yeah. Everything going on in Puerto Rico, especially after being going through what you went through, you mm-hmm. know. Like, and and uh, and he was out for electricity for maybe uh, five six months before they got electricity. There, and stuff there's like a that. guy I met last year at the at the at the cookoff or the Houston mm-hmm. Rodeo cookoff, and uh, he was part of the same tent that we were that I was with. Uh, he was telling me how um, he was in Florida. Hurricane was supposed to hit Florida, so he grabbed all his stuff. And went to go to go try to stay with his daughter. Sorry, wake up, dude. Which I can't. <laughs> uh, which I can't remember. Um, uh, what what city she was in? But basically, like they went over there to go try to stay with her. Her hurricane didn't end up hitting there. Yeah. So he said he drove. It hadn't even been twenty four hours. Nothing happened. He said, "All right, let's just go back," because he mm-hmm. had to go back to work. They get back to where they are from. The hurricane shifted and actually went to where his daughter was. So then here he goes back. He's like, it's been 48 hours. I haven't slept. He's like, him and his wife are taking turns driving. They get back, try to help her. And uh, they help, you know, they were there able to, you know, help them and bring them to where they were. But his daughter ended up losing a lot of stuff. Yeah. And now we got this hurricane over here, Durian. All that craziness over there, too. The Bahamas getting real hard, dude. you know, it's one thing seeing it, and you're like, oh, man, like, you know, that's crazy, this happening. But we were all basically shitting our pants when oh, it yeah. actually happened, man. We're like, and what the fuck You is were just going sitting on? there. Ho- and, I mean, the scary part was that they were saying the rain was supposed to just circle back in. And, it and I remember I remember the post that went, that woman said, like, hey, I just found out that all this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I just want to let y'all know that it's going to be a very bad storm. Mm-hmm. They just don't want y'all to know. Yeah. And then people were like, man, she's full of she's shit, full blah, of shit. blah, yeah, blah. And then, and then it fucking happened. And then, like, she ended up deleting her profile because, you know, everybody was talking shit to her. Mm-hmm. And she never ended up, like, doing her profile again. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's crazy to understand, like. But, you know, it, it, but I remember when we got here, they were like, oh, it's supposed to circle back and hit Houston again. Everyone's, everyone everybody was, was shitting their out. pants, and it didn't, and it went to Beaumont, and they got destroyed. So you can imagine how much worse it would have been if it actually came back and hit us, dude. Like it would have I mean, finished. I got yeah. lucky. I think we got lucky that we're not developed behind our house. It's all forest and woods and stuff like that. So the water had places to go, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, as we, I think as we're developing more neighborhoods and more stuff, you know, the cement isn't absorbing the water so this water don't don't have any place to go but up so i I think we got really lucky on that front but yeah dude it's just i think if it would have came back to us you know we wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been as lucky the way i was with everything either man it was it was getting up there so so how how do you how do you um now two years later you know um from all this that happened 
how's your wife feel now when it rains? And she's still kind of like a little bit. She gets nervous. She gets kind of shaky. You know, she doesn't like it when it like. If she's st- if it's raining, she wants me to drive usually. You know, yeah. if it, if she's that's driving. how I am. Like I don't want my wife driving when mm-hmm. it rains and stuff. Uh, I mean, not, there's nothing wrong with her driving or anything, but it's just to me, it's like I just want to make sure that like she's I know my yeah. truck, like mm-hmm. you know, I know you know my limits on it. I know when to speed, when not to speed on it. She, she I mean, right now, whenever she drives on the highway and she gets to that underpass where she almost drove into yeah. it, she says her heart always speeds up. Like she's like, you can feel like. Her chest just like even when it's not raining, it, well, it doesn't matter. Just yeah. just driving through that, just yeah. the memory like it triggers her, and 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 she she feels you know very uncomfortable in those situations or whatever. I mean, but she I mean she have to worry about it anymore. No, no, <laughs> she's just she, I think she'll be okay over there. You'll be fine over there now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but she got really like you know she, we bought all these extra things for the house. We always have water. We always have a lot of cans of. You know, chicken tuna to pro- in case of emergencies and so emergency that, kits. that day that the 26th, I remember um, before it even rained, it was early in the morning. Sorry, I had just uh, worked the night before a night shift and I, I knew everybody was going to the stores and stuff. So I'm like, man, I'm just going to I'm going to go. I'm going to stop by a grocery store right when they open. You know, so on my way home. It was like 5 a.m. I went to the Kroger because I was staying in, in Pearland at the time. And um, I, we were, I was waiting out the door, and I was just me by myself. And then all of a sudden, you see the parking lot, like, super full. So I'm like, all right. I started thinking to my head, like, all right, I need water. I need, like, we can make sandwiches. We can do this. We can do that, you know? So I started grabbing, like, as soon as I go in, I started grabbing stuff that I know I can, like, you know, use. And, um, you know, I started grabbing all these things. Well, before they actually opened the door, this dude showed up. And we are standing right there waiting for them to open the door and stuff. And the guy's telling me how, uh, how he had he hadn't slept at all. Like he had been up for more than like twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. And I asked him why, and he's like, "Man, I'm just I'm tired, man." He's like, "I had a long night or whatever." And I asked him what happened. He said that uh, his neighbor had just got home with water and plywood, and uh, and when he got to his house some dudes were following him they robbed him and he ended up getting shot and the guy died there at, in, his, in his own driveway that's horrible and it was just like man he's like you know the cops being there and like it's been hours man and it reminded me that when ike hit houston this was years back um, oh, that was my first uh hurricane my first year of living in houston i moved i had moved in in like may yeah. i just moved into my apartment I went home for like a one month vacation. Uh, work f- I worked from home, so I was yeah. working from home up, uh, in Rhode Island for like a month to hang out with my friends or whatever. And I came back, bought all new groceries because I had no groceries and everything. Did it go bad? Like three days later, I came. Yeah, I had, I had to throw away like almost half of my. I paid like five hundred dollars of groceries. I had to well, throw away like more. It money. reminded me of uh, of Ike mm-hmm. because when Ike happened the day before, well the night. I hit at nighttime as well, but earlier that day, I was at uh, at the, at the shop, and uh, I witnessed somebody accidentally shoot themselves and kill themselves. The guy had like a shotgun. He was like young. He was like 15, 16 years old, but I from a distance he was like probably like across. Like he was across the street from me, but I was looking at him. Something just stood out, and I looked at him. And then when I was turning my head to kind of like look somewhere else. I heard a big bang. 
And I turned around and I saw his body drop. Well, he had accidentally had his thumb on the trigger when he was looking inside the barrel. And he blew his face off. Oh, shit. So I went over there to, like, you know, try to, like, aid him and shit. And I was on the phone with 911. But, you know, it was a, I remember just, it was a tough thing, man. Like, you know, witnessing. And I didn't sleep at night. Like, that fucking hurricane hit. And I was in my bedroom with the lights off, just looking at the ceiling. Like, I can't believe I just saw this shit. Like, I, you know, I didn't even know the hurricane hit. Like, it was just, I didn't even pay attention to it. Yeah. So I can only imagine what the, when this guy was telling me, like, oh, man, like, I just witnessed my neighbor get killed. You know, he was just coming home with water and stuff for his family. And they shot him and they took his truck. Like, you know. That's weird, dude. And, uh, and to me, it was like, uh, it was uh, a little... Um, it was it was a little bit of a of a flashback for me, man. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went into the store, I was like, all right, like I had my gun on me and stuff. I was like, all right, I just need to be very careful how I'm driving and making sure nobody's following me and shit. But you know, I ended up getting a bunch of stuff, man. You know, I, me and my wife cook, so I was like, I know what to get. You know, what stuff we can use. I I had a grill. I was like, if I need to grill, I need to you know have some charcoal, some propane, whatever it is, just in case some shit happens. And then when I get home, man. Um, I'm like, all right. So the first heavy pour of rain came in and I was like, fuck, like I need to go get gas. And I had my wife, my wife's car, my truck. I had my, my truck. My mom was borrowing it at the time. So I had my wife's car. She has like, she had a, a RAV4 at the time. It was a very small vehicle. So I went to go put gas in that. I filled up some gas tanks, you know, the, the little uh, containers or whatever. And then I filled up the gas in my motorcycle. Cause I was like, you never fucking know, yeah. but shit, if I need to, I'll take sidewalks all the way, you know? So I got back to, to the apartment at the time we were living and it just pours, dude. And then it clears up and I'm like, all right, it's cool. Like everybody was like, oh, Harvey's over with blah, blah. Oh, fuck no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was at nighttime that it just started raining and it didn't stop, dude. Yeah. And it was just, it was very, very overwhelming, man. Cause I was stuck in my apartment and it's crazy, dude. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't out there. You know, I, I, I wish I could have helped. You know, I was stuck because where we were living at, all the streets were flooded, so we couldn't even exit. And I couldn't even drive the little SUV anywhere because it was just a higher, the water was that high. There was a lot of cars stuck on the road and stuff. And you could see it from the apartment complexes. But um, I saw people driving up at the apartment complexes, driving up to, like, the, the grass or the little, like, patios and shit because cars were getting flooded. One section of the apartments were lower than the other one. Luckily, ours wasn't, wasn't that low. It was, it was a little bit higher, but the water was almost to our door. And, um, you know, we were home safe. We had electricity. We had food, water, and everything. But even then, man, it's crazy how, you know, the mind being there, man, you kind of, it kind of starts fucking with you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we had everything, but just the fact that I was stuck at home, you <coughs> know, and it wouldn't stop raining. Yeah. And it was just like, man, like, like when is this going to stop? Like, you know, my family is there. Are they okay? Like, you just all the worry started going on even though you're okay like you're not okay mentally man like mm-hmm. you're like i don't know you, you get this even though nothing happened to us but i started getting this like this this de- depression and anxiety feeling where it's like man like i'm stuck here like I, how long am i gonna be stuck here like yeah. am i gonna run out of food like what the fuck am i gonna do you know and it wasn't just us one of my my wife's uh, f- uh best friend was there with us the night before watching the fight and she ended up being stuck there with us for those days too Mm-hmm. So now our water and, and food supply became smaller, yeah. you know, and it was just, it just, it really fucked with, well, it really fucked with my head, but I can only imagine those that 
went through it that were actually like stuck in water yeah. or the house was getting flooded. You know, now they have to go to these, you know, um, uh, like these aid centers where, where, where they're, you know, they're getting all the help that they need. You know, they're, you know, these, um, you know, all these, all these places that they're, they were going from boat to boat or boat and truck, you know, and then knowing that all their stuff got destroyed, dude, like if I was already, you know, I told myself like, man, dude, like, you know, like you shouldn't even like be worried about anything. Yeah. Like these people are going through something way and it helped me, you know, think about it. Like, man, like, okay, what am, what am I tripping for? Like I shouldn't even be tripping, yeah. but just the fact that just to know that like what they were going through and then me being stuck at home, not being able to help them and stuff. It was it was very tough, man. I mean, I mean, now my wife's always, I mean, granted she's up north now, but you know, she would always have anytime there were any potential, she'd always go buy a whole bunch of water to make sure we had you it. Just have to be prepared. Always man. have extra stuff. She's always, she she likes keeping a bag of clothes and stuff in the car, just because you never know when you're gonna be stuck exactly. with no clothes for a couple of days or wet and you don't have anything to change into. So now she's like. You know, she's she's a lot more. It, it makes you more aware of yeah. everything, man. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. But you know, I'm it's it's sad to remember that day. It's also sad to to know people that lost everything, man. Yeah. Like I have a friend of mine's that she lost a lot of. You know, she her house got flooded to the second floor. Uh, I don't know if you remember brother brother Dominic at the lodge. His house got flooded from the first floor. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like there was a lot of people that got that went through a lot of stuff. Like, man. One of one of Anita's friends for her job too. They she was like that. She thought she lost her dogs because she said that uh, it started flooding in her house, mm-hmm. and she ran to go grab a couple of things, and then she went to go look for the dog. But by that point, it started getting up like her her chest and neck, and she's they were just like we got to get out of here and had to leave, and somebody came with a boat and put them in the boat, helped them get out. But she was like, my dogs are stuck inside the house. And she was freaking out, scared that her dogs had died or whatever. Um, but they ended up going upstairs, sinking up and going upstairs oh, and staying shit. upstairs. But, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you never you never, you know. never know, man. You never know. But it's just crazy. Like, you know, the one of the ladies I was helping, she was saying, you know, as soon as that flood started came, they, they were trying to bring everything upstairs so that they wouldn't get there. And they were like, it just came in so quickly. We didn't have time to do anything. It was just and so. When crazy. I went to, when I was driving over there to go help Kevin get the stuff out of this apartment during that time, that I saw these abandoned houses and stuff that had got flooded in. There were some that had tarps that said like, "Help us, please! Mm-hmm. Don't hurt us! Don't loot us! You know, don't loot here! You know, single mother!" And like, there people were writing shit on, yeah. on and it was mm-hmm. just, it's sad, man. But it's also shocking to see that shit, man. Oh like, yeah, I mean, you don't, you know, I remember Ike, and I was actually here for Ike. We were driving on the highway and people, you know, you felt like you were in The Walking Dead. You know, everything, you know, you can't imagine what it would be like if, like, the zombie apocalypse comes because that's how the hurricane felt. Like, it's just everything's empty. Everything's destroyed. People are all over the place. Whatever rules and, and laws don't people, matter. Yeah, anymore. they don't give a fuck they don't anymore. Give, they didn't and matter. It, you know, it's it's sad, man. You know, when you think that, when you see it or you hear about it, you're like, dude, like, why do you, why does people act like that? But in the moment, man, they're like, fuck that. My family's the only important thing to me. Like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. everybody else. Do whatever you have to do. Yeah. And it's sad to think that way, dude. But mm-hmm. it's just that, you know, that, that survival instinct, man. Yeah, I mean, we, especially you got to take care of your family sometimes. Yep. Like, you know, if, if I'm walking down the street and I'm, everything's flooded and my neighbor's not trying to let me in the house, I'm going to knock that door down. I'm like, fuck no, I'm yeah. staying here. I'm sorry. You might not like me, but I'm going to have to, you know, I'm trying to keep my family safe. So, you know, I, I get it. You know, it's just. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's some dirtbaggish people that do some horrible things, but yeah. you know, if you're. But I, I think the one thing I noticed, 
every time from the hurricanes that I've been to here in Houston, uh, the first thing to get resold right away is beer. <laughs> it's like you it'll be no water, no anything, but there's there's that store opening up like all we have is beer. Come get beer. People buying beer. It's like you oh, never shit. you never run out of beer. <laughs> You're stuck, so might as it's well like, get get some beer. Yeah. I think that's a good way to to, to celebrate, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, we made it. This is survive. Yeah. So Yeah. No man, that's awesome, dude. Uh thank you for, for sharing, you know, oh, the sure, experience, dude. man. Anytime. And, and uh and I'll have you back on here soon, man, for yeah, sure, for sure. Looking forward uh, to it. You know, I, I just, to me, it, it's, uh, it's interesting to hear the story about, about, you know, you having to do all this during, you know, Harvey. And then also the fact that, you know, your wedding and all these other things, I can only imagine that how many other people went through that. You yeah. Know? And so, some but, people dealt with worse, you know, there was a few people who lost their wedding dress because of the flooding, yeah. you know, and that's, that's, that's sad. So. Yeah. But thanks again, man. Uh, can't wait to have you again on the podcast. Yeah, soon. definitely. Uh, Try to be more often. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I'm a little sad you're going to head up north, man. But, yeah, I know. But before you go, we need to have you here as much as possible so yeah. everybody can hear all the interesting stories and things that you that you can share with us, man. Uh, for sure, dude. Uh, whatever you need, man, I'll be here. All right, appreciate it. All right, everyone. Have a good one. So one last thing before we go. I wanted to... Uh, to re ask you this question that I, I ask everyone, um, if you can, if you can build your ideal taco or what would your ideal taco be? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if I was creating my own taco, uh, I'd probably keep it real Peruvian. Uh, I'd probably make like a ceviche taco or something like that, uh, or like a ceviche tostado or something like that. Like, uh, I, I figure you know, keep it real proofy and keep like that. Or what, what would be some of the components or the items in that taco? Uh, well, you know, like a ceviche, you're gonna have the lime, uh, fish. I like the the red snapper, a nice fresh red snapper, with some, uh, you know, cebolla and some cilantro, um, and a little bit of uh, spice to it. Maybe some habanero chopped up into the sauce in there. Uh, you know, just keep it nice and balanced, and then uh, you know, put it on the taco and just eat it, man. It's, actually making me feel hungry right now so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay um one last thing also before you go so if it would be a peruvian taco what are some of the iconic things or some of the things that represent best uh, uh peruvian cuisine well um it's interesting with peruvian cuisine we have so much variety um i, I think somebody just posted the other day about peru winning another uh award for being like the culinary like a big culinary capital of the Western hemisphere or yeah. something like that. And uh, we have so much variety of different things. I mean, if you're going to go with like maybe the most popular dishes, you know, you'll get some stuff like uh boil la brasa, which is just like a rotisserie chicken um, that Peruvians just love to eat. Ceviche is always going to be uh, top on there. But, you know, I think if you could do another thing is maybe do like a, we have a, a like a guisao kind of a chicken called ají de gallina, which is just like a, a stew like a chicken stew kind of deal. Mm -hmm. um, I think that probably good. Um, it's, it's, dude, there's so many different varieties of what you could put in taco. Uh, I mean, improve your food, but I think ultimately you'd always have potato. There would always be, we have potato in everything. Really? Yeah, there's almost always potatoes in something. So something with potato, maybe a, a potato with a, a la, la crema la huancaina sauce. That sounds uh, pretty good. I don't yeah, know what it is. It's, it like, a, it's like a cheesy yellow pepper. We have a yellow pepper here, uh, amarillo that we use. That you know, mix it with some. Uh, you saute some onions with the peppers, 
blend it with some uh, uh, a starchy thing like uh, crackers with uh, condensed milk, uh, not condensed milk with uh, evaporated milk. Yeah, and you make that sauce and you put it on a potato with some. Uh, uh, like a uh, boiled egg or something like that, and that's oh, usually sure. like an appetizer, and that's just you know, by that by itself is amazing. So yeah. uh, you know, but this, like I said, potatoes, some sort of pepper, you know, is usually always in every dish. So we usually always have something like that. But you know, um, it, I guess it is so much variety, man. It's like we have our own Asian, uh, Chinese food, Japanese food. Really, we have our yeah, we have so much Asian influences in Peru that it's just uh, you know. It's it's hard to go and pinpoint one ideal meal, um, you know. But I think the most popular ones in Peru would always be either the pollo rasa or the um, uh, the ceviche are probably the big. I mean, pollo rasa you get that everywhere. You'd go fill up for gas or give you a free chicken. Really? <laughs> it's it's all over the place, man. Oh, I, I love making that. So <laughs> that's the chicken uh, we made that one time. Uh, I don't know if you had it when I was there. I did a rotisserie chicken. Did I? No, I don't no? think I had okay, it. No, I, we made one for the lodge once. Oh so shit. Good. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks again, man. I appreciate you coming out, man. I'm sorry for uh, for the delay and stuff, but no, you know, it's all good, man. I'm glad to be here. So hey, I'll have you soon for sure, for sure. Because yeah. there's so many stories I want to share, and and so many stories that I know you can share as well. So no, looking forward to it. All right, man. Thanks.